Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. This, just to give you a little background, this was about um, my own personal journey from an accident I'd had in paragliding. I'd spent um, three months in hospital and then had rehabilitation at home. And it was from that stage that you're going through where you're going everything in, in your possible powers to get out of pain and the thought of actually having to go back and step towards pain again was absolutely terrifying. And yet that's exactly what you've got to do when you want to complete the rehab. So this is a little blog and thoughts at the time of how you've got to manage those thoughts, even though they are very scary and confronting, to actually make yourself get to that better place and to be to that lifestyle that you actually want to finish with rather than just a lifestyle and a life that is functioning, you actually want it to have it so it's the lifestyle that you believe that you can get back to. So it's a big step forward towards that scary pain barrier that you've been avoiding and trying to get away from. And this is how I thought about going back into that. I hope this helps um, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. The Contradiction of Embracing the Pain by Ben Netterfield. Finding the old magical mojo again, when all you want to do is let yourself sink into the darkness, feeling utterly overwhelmed. The best you can do is holding fast to the lifeline. So instead you tie a knot in the end, find the resilience you didn't know you had, take another calming breath, look up. Find yet again a way to quell the sensation of your nerve endings being eaten alive and start pulling your way towards the light. The light may be too far off to be a credible gold. Instead, the gold is to find a soothing equilibrium. Even though the information pathways are exploding, one more slow breath, one more try, one more challenge to reshape your thoughts. Find some form of peace on a night where the time has stood still. From the darkest nights can come the brightest days. When I was growing up and read stories from World War I, how soldiers suffering in those horrendous conditions could see the smallest things around them with beauty and take enormous heart from those moments, how the mind, body and soul could be plunged through those times and find reasons to live and maintain any sense of sanity justified my logic. During times of intense rehab, it's those dark times when the brain and the body are screaming at you to stop. It's simply not worth it. Protect, protect, protect. That little voice down within is to sit up and tell you to protest. Go no more. Get up one more time though and engage one more time. No matter how many times that voice has said this, one more time. This is no choice. It's the only choice you can make. One of the strongest memories of my recovery is a day when, in my mind, I was off to conquer the world and show how far I'd come in a comparably short time from such serious life-threatening injuries. It was the second day without using walking sticks to get around, but it was the first day I was out from the protection of home. I decided to go down to the shops to quickly pick up a few things. I had judged the trip to be a little expedition and meant to be a short stroll around collecting a few items. I set out thinking how amazing am I. I had made it this far. The great plan unraveled straight away when parking was much further than I'd hoped and the shop was packed. Feeling very vulnerable and dodging people took much more energy than I'd anticipated. By the time I was standing waiting at the collection, I was starting to shake and I was sweating. I was only just able to control my body movements and I'd taken on more than I'd hoped. But there I was, standing and feeling elated. As I was giving myself a mental high-five, 
I notice the checkout person and the woman in front of me continues looking in my direction. The look on both their faces was a little disdain mixed with keeping their distances because in their eyes I was either possibly drunk or on drugs. Either way, in their mind, I was a bit of a disgrace. I wanted to explain this was an amazing day for me. What had happened, how much I had worked hard to rehabilitate. Literally all the blood, sweat and tears. But in that moment, their faces made me feel ashamed. By that stage, I had almost come off some serious amounts of heavy drugs, far earlier than even my doctor expected, who was always worried about addiction. My strength and endurance suddenly started to slide away. I knew it wasn't their fault. They didn't know my story or I'd walked in my shoes. I took a moment to mentally slap myself in the face and use all the strength left from my pretty much non-existent muscles. As best I could, I smiled and made it to the car where I collapsed before finally making it on the drive back to home. To a non-healthcare professional like myself, understanding the journey through pain is a confronting one. For me, I had to fight with gravity and slammed into the ground at high velocity, doing something I love, paragliding. Initially, once my glider was under control and I was no longer being dragged across the ground, I checked I could wiggle all my toes and fingers, and to my huge relief and surprise I could. I knew things were fairly bad, but in that moment I was alive and could talk with my fellow pilots who had come to my aid and organise an airlift to hospital. The next month was a series of operations and blood transfusions. The first three weeks I was able to push a button every 15 minutes to help coil the waves of pain that crashed into me. Every hour I had my ops checked and always rolled as well to have a large scar on my back checked for the excess bleeding through the bandage. This caused no end of pain as the pelvis had external fixes to help it stay in place. These usually hit the side of the bed as I was turned and I had several broken ribs and sternum, which would grind with every movement in those early weeks. The whole thing was a blur of pain, wishing with each section of time I hadn't slept over the 15 minute marker, as missing those meant hours before the pain levels got back under control. Controlling emotions and allowing the body to unwind and properly rest is an enormous burden to take on. The bed is your protection, but you mustn't let it become your isolated cave or dungeon. You need it to be your kingdom, but unfortunately, you may be king, but you're not its absolute ruler. It's more a ceremonial role. It's important you come to terms with that. Shout out everything and everyone, and the brain and soul will wither and slowly die. The contradiction, of course, is you equally can't let everyone overrun your kingdom. You must find a way to be aware of your spark and how strong it is, and what protects it and what nourishes it. Every day is a new beginning. Light would come into the room from different angles, new songs and podcasts were discovered, and the staff by now had gotten to know me, and a little joke or a short conversation here or there made so much difference. Even arguing with the night shift nurse about setting my alarm off at 15 minute timers so I wouldn't pass the pain schedule button. Those little interactions, while small, made a huge connection for the long stay. I made a conscious decision to take each day as it came and not get too stressed about the what ifs. That won't change the present, and I only could shape the future. I wanted to get better, and no matter what the shape took or how that goals were to be achieved, giving my body every chance to heal and getting back in the air were some of the major ones. I had one more life to live, no matter what form it took, and the people that I want to be with. Life doesn't give you heads up for changes or light every path you need to walk, but all you can do is make the most of life as it gives it to you. Lessons learned and moments cherished, as tomorrow is always possible. Regret and what-ifs don't improve today, and life is all about the now. Helping to shape tomorrow. Keep peering through the darkness to find the light. You never knew the aural lights came until suddenly they arrive in the darkest of nights. The switch in mindset. Five to seven months after the accident, the next big hurdle has to be taken on board. Changing from putting all your mental and physical energies into getting out of pain 
and or coming to terms with the mindfulness to help the brain relax the crazy amount of noise flooding into your brain at different times, to now putting yourself very consciously back in the path of pain and knowing to improve and get back to a full life, I not only had to be in pain but actually seek it out. It is quite simply the oddest mix of bedfellows. The pain itself, mobility pushing boundaries, the moment something is in reach and other goals loom up needing to be achieved. Tiredness, mental fuzziness, which at times meant not being able to spell your own name on endless forms that were being filled out around this time. Long, sleepless nights returned, and the strength to find a way back towards mindfulness and being empowered was an endless struggle. The pain while picking up socks and putting them on can lead to great moments of courage and persistence and struggle beyond anything you'd previously achieved in life. It is, however, the loss of cognitive brain function that can take you towards the huge confronting realities of the totalities of your injuries. I didn't suffer any major direct brain injuries from the accident. I did have to spend some time back in basic skills, learning to switch back on from my intellectual side that had been dealing with a blast of information from nerves strained to boiling point. Calming and sorting that information is one part, but then actually getting the brain to function again as a vital organ and leaning towards having an open mind, committing to the intention of expanding your knowledge beyond the walls that are closed in around you. You are without being consciously aware of the vast loss of brain function, just in the reasoning, let alone back to rediscovering lateral thinking, both on a macro and micro level. Like the physical recovery, this must be done in small stages, and embracing it will be hard, and possibly at times humiliating. Even humiliation, while tougher on the soul, leads to discoveries or regrouping, and facing gaps that you may have been blissfully unaware of until that moment. The cycle of pain and recovery ticks over remorsely from one long, blurry 24-hour period to the next. Eventually, however, the day arrives, you don't feel like a half-dead zombie with four flat tyres. When it happens, without doubt, you will overdo it. And in the excitement, you will blow all those feel-good juices in usually under half a day. Exhilaration flows through every cell like a warm fire to inspire you back to greatness. <sighs> if only that lasted. The most dangerous times for your mind has to be in the choices once those juices have subsided and the punch of feeling defeated and tired. Remembering you can make it through all that rehab and recovery from that improvement you wanted. Not letting the flood of pain and helplessness that is waiting on the other side of the door for your mind to be smothered in the haze of doubt. If you can get there once, you'll happen again. Only this time you'll reach it quicker. Not in the year or months or days it took last time, but maybe five minutes quicker, an hour quicker, a day quicker, a month. Pain makes time stand still. One of your greatest achievements is to keep time moving and being able to live in the moment. The day and night cycle, which is hard to control, but is really important for the recovery to be able to sleep at nights. A few sleepless nights aren't the end of the world, but letting the noise volume drown you at nights is the death by a thousand cuts for the brain. Helplessness follows, close behind by the weight of fear, anxiety and pain sensations flooding into your thoughts. Learning mindfulness to help quell and quieten the pathways to the brain and allow the brain to hear the true messages from your body. While this can take a little practice and persistence, it has great benefits and from an extremely worthwhile. Take that extra long slow breath and then repeat and release. Checking in on your body, starting from the top or the bottom and working your way up or down the body. Nice slow breath, release and repeat. Checking in with your body, allowing the pathways to quieten and turning the volume down. All this is about being true to yourself and honest about where you are in your rehab scheme. Adding the days together, the weeks and the months, 
You will of course have bad moments and it's definitely going to be okay to feel down and want to wallow in the mud, but please don't stay there. Yell, scream, cry against the world and universe. Drain your body and mind and soul until it's empty and then crawl back up, start again, because in the end, only you can make that difference. Resilience and inner strength are both things you'll learn to have far deeper reserves than you ever thought were possible. However, it's the growth that you get from falling and finding a way forward, tying a knot in the end of the rope, holding on like crazy, so you don't fall into the black void below. And if you do fall in, you can find a way back, slowly, simply starting to take one more step, just one more step, towards a recovery that at different stages you never thought were possible. Getting knocked down is rough, getting back up is tough, but sometimes the greatest battle you face is staying up. And this is what I tell myself every day, because every day is worth staying up for. Life mightn't give you credit to put in the bank to use for later, but it does give you lessons to learn and experiences that either make or break you. Train your mind to understand the information it's receiving and not let the nerve endings control your mood, outlook, or eventually your life. What you choose is entirely up to you. Good luck. I hope this helps give you the courage to try again and walk through the rehab process.